Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, We're continuing to walk through the book of 1 John, and uh, this week we're going to talk about one of the major overarching themes of 1 John. We said last week that one of the biggest themes, over the last two weeks, we said one of the biggest themes was loving one another, because that's throughout the Bible, foundational principle. We're going to talk more about that again today. But one of the biggest themes that John hits on in this book also is um, false teachers. And whether we like it or not, whether we agree or not, um, the topic of false teachers is a huge issue today. Uh, Like we said before, 25 out of 27 New Testament books talk about false teachers and false teaching. Many of the problems we're seeing in congregations today can be traced back to false teaching. The whole, I don't know if you're familiar with it, whole big issue going on with the United Methodist Church, and they're about to split, and a lot of that comes down to incorrect or false teaching. A lot of issues going on with the Southern Baptist Convention. Again, a lot of it comes down to false or incorrect teaching. Uh, And false teaching, again, whether we agree with it or not, causes a lot of problems in the body of Christ, right? So one of the things that happens because of false teaching is it leads to congregational splits. Whole congregations or denominations, like with the United Methodist Church, Presbyterians, go on and on and on. Uh, a lot of, sometimes they split because they want to do things differently. Some people say, oh, we want to worship this way. And others say, no, we want to worship that way. Okay, no need to argue. You go do that, you go do that. But a lot of it comes down to how they teach the Word of God. Some are teaching things that are not correct. Some are teaching things that are correct, right? So it leads to congregation and denominational splits. It also leads to what we talked about a couple of months ago, deconstruction, where people are looking and are saying, hey, I hear you preaching this, but I don't see that in the Bible. So where are you getting that from? And then because they're not getting an answer, they're leaving the faith, right? One of the things that Jesus said would happen because of uh, false preachers. But it also leads to church hurt, where people say, I'm not coming back here anymore, not just to this congregation, but to the church or to Christianity because of false teaching that has led them to do things that aren't biblical. And I'll give you an example, right? So uh, whole same-sex marriage thing aside that the government's talking about and all that, the Bible does speak specifically about uh, not just homosexuality, but sexuality as a whole in a God-honoring way. But what a lot of people did in the previous generations is they took homosexuality and they villainized it. So they said, hey, if you have someone in your congregation or in your family that's involved in that type of sexuality, kick them out of your home, don't let them in, they're of the devil, get rid of them. Which is not what the Bible says, although it does say it's a sin, but they ignored people who were doing other sexual things that were not in God's word. And so when people looked at that, that's one of the problems we see today, because people looked and they're not responding just to the false teaching, 
They're responding to the false teaching and the way that it hurt other people and saying, I want nothing to do with a God or a congregation or a religion that treats people like that. And so all the false teaching has led to a lot of the problems that we see today. So John addresses it in a lot of detail. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of scripture. Uh, so if you have a Bible, turn to 1 John. I'm going to put some verses up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, should be one in front of you, to the left of you, right of you, or on the table in front of you. Uh, but while you're turning to 1 John, and 1 John is uh, towards the end of your Bible, if you're not sure where, go to... Um, Book of Revelations, and then start turning to the left, you'll hit it. Uh, but I'm going to put, wow, my microphone is not cooperating today. I'm going to put some verses up here that are going to give us some context about false teaching. So in the book of Matthew, this is what Jesus says, right? Uh, and he's talking about what's going to happen uh, in the end times and leading up to the end times. He says, there are going to be, many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey, meaning Jesus, and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. We see a lot of this today. More hate going on in the body of Christ than loving one another. Uh, but he also said this, many false prophets, and you could say false teachers, false pastors, uh, whatever type of preacher, teacher thing you want to put in there, will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. Lawlessness, not obedience to God's word and God's law. Iniquity, meaning that you're transgressing God's law. And we're seeing all of that on a huge scale today. This is what Paul says when he writes to the Galatians. He starts off and jumps right into this. In verse 6, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Because a lot of false teachers came in and they started teaching them things that were in opposition to the word of God and to the gospel and about Jesus. And he says, this thing they're teaching you is really no gospel at all. He said, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he says this, and this holds true today. He said, but even if we, meaning the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So if anybody, if me, uh, Mark, uh, any other pastor, one you hear online, you're driving and you hear something on Caleb or whatever, doesn't matter where you hear it, if anyone preaches anything other than the gospel that's contained in God's word, Paul is saying, hey, let them be cursed, because that's not what God wants for you. Now, uh, open to First uh, John uh, chapter 2. And this is what John says about it. Uh, in verse 7, he says this, Dear friends, I am not, and this is important, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one. This whole command he's going to talk about, the old one of just loving one another, that whole thing, 
nothing new. From the very beginning, that has been God's will for humanity. But an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. He is going to tell them a new spin on it. A new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now, here's the new command that he gives them. Anyone who claims to be in the light or to be a Christian or to be like a, a lover of Jesus Christ, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Now, he uses the word brother to mean fellow Christian. He's not necessarily talking about everybody out there in the world. He's talking about the way that we as Christians treat other Christians. And he says, hey, if you claim to be a Christian, but you hate someone who also claims to be a Christian, but they're a different denomination, or maybe they vote differently, or maybe they look differently, you can't be. In one, I think it's chapter four, he says, if you claim to be a Christian, but hate your brother, you're not a Christian, you're a liar. I mean, he just calls it out. Because the, the, the aspect of hating someone is not anywhere in the Christian doctrine. Now, God hates a lot of things. He hates liars. He hates sin. But what we're supposed to do is love our enemies, and especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So drop down to verse 12. And he says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have, been known, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. And this may seem a little bit confusing because he says, here's why I'm writing to you. But I don't know if you remember, we talked about that the Apostle John in the Gospel of John referred to himself over and over again as the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one whom Jesus loved. Because that's how he saw himself. So now he says, hey, I'm writing to you guys because I want you to see yourselves in a certain way. And he says, I want you to see yourselves first and foremost as forgiven by God. So all the sins, all the guilt, all the anger, all the hate, whatever, that we're, all the burdens we're carrying around, let it go because God has forgiven us of our sins. He says, I also want you to know that you are known by God. So the same God who created the heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, all of that is the same God who knows us. He knows me. He knows my, my attributes. He knows my flaws. He knows where I'm going to stumble. He knows where I'll be victorious and succeed. But he also knows that I'm able to overcome the evil one because of God. Right? That we definitely need to see ourselves this way. No matter what the world throws at us or life throws at us or the enemy throws at us, we're able to overcome it because of God. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't get. They see themselves as downtrodden or worthless or, or, or unable, when God says, hey, I've, I've created you and you're able to do everything through God. Now, he also says, see yourself as 
filled with the word of God. He says the, the living word, like, is in us, meaning the Holy Spirit of God. And that's going to become a, a theme that he captures onto. But look at this. He says, because you are forgiven by God, known by God, able to overcome because of God and filled with the word of God, he says, now, because of all that, then he says the next thing in verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, what some versions say the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. See, we can be a part of the world, but we're not supposed to love it more than anything else. It's great that we can, you know, uh, buy homes, start businesses, have cars, do whatever, but we're not supposed to make that our main uh, priority and focus. And I can remember uh, that once I first, like, got this, heard a really good preaching on it, um, and it was after, and I've told you guys this before, I lost my job, went from making six figures to making, I think it was 300 and something dollars every other week, right? Because before that, I was really money focused. I even told my pastor uh, when we were talking about whether or not I felt called to preach, I was like, I don't want to give up the money. I'm making too much money. And yes, I was foolish enough to say and tell my pastor, God can't compete with the six figures I'm making. So God said, yes, I can, and he took it all away. It was that simple, right? But then, uh, once I got another job, I think I started making $12 an hour, right? But I had a different focus, because now my focus was, you know what? I want to make as much money as possible, not because me, I want to make all the money, because the more money I make, the more I can give to God, the more I can donate to resources. And uh, once I got another job, I went from $12 an hour to, I think, 60-something thousand a year in like a year. Same deal. I want to make a lot of money, but now the focus wasn't on, hey, I want to make it for me. Focus was on, I want to make it so I can use it for God. And that should be all of our focus. But then he says this, dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. When he says the Antichrist, he's going to use that phrase over and over, but each one means a different thing. When he says the Antichrist is coming, think big A, like the Antichrist, like in the book of Revelation, like uh, uh, what uh, the book of Daniel talks about, the, the person who's coming who's going to be a part of all the end time drama, right? So he says the Antichrist is coming, big A. Even now, many Antichrists have come, small a, Many people who are false prophets, false teachers, and against what Jesus teaches, right? So he says there's many of those people in the world now. And this is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. And he's talking about what Jesus talked about this in the last hour, last days, this big falling away from the church. And here's the thing, some of the people that are leaving the church are leaving because they're hurt, and they are God-honoring people filled with the Holy Spirit, but they just are hurt, and they're dealing with a lot of stuff. Some of them are leaving because they were never Christians at all, and he contrasts that. He says, you know, they're leaving, they didn't belong to us, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. In other words, he's saying, they left because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They were never Christians to begin with. 
but you are because you have anointing from the Holy One. You're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, he goes on and he makes a lot of different comments about them, but I want to I I focus on uh, one aspect, right? He talks about the fact that there are a lot of false teachers that are going to come. He says uh, in verse 20, or excuse me, 22, he says, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the antichrist, small a, not the one in the end times, but anyone who denies it is anti-meaning against Christ, right? He says he denies the father and the son. No one who denies the son has the father. Whoever acknowledges the son has the father also. Uh, he says, see, excuse me, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And then drop down to verse 26. And this is where, again, he goes back to the false teaching. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him, meaning Jesus, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He says there are a lot of people that are going to come and that are going to try to lead you astray. They're going to teach things that are not of God. And he says, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit-filled person, the anointing in you, is going to help you identify what's false teaching. So if I stand up here, and I've actually done this before, not on purpose, and say something that contradicts the Bible, the Holy Spirit in you should be saying, that's not right. That is not right. And you might be thinking, but wait, that's Pastor Floyd that said that. He wouldn't lie. And the Holy Spirit should be telling you that's not right. And I have not intentionally said something that contradicted the Bible, and I can't remember who, because it doesn't happen that often. Uh, but someone came up afterwards and said, hey, you said this, but doesn't the Bible say this? And I was like, you know what? You're, you're absolutely right. I, I misspoke or I misread. And it happens where human pastors are going to make mistakes we're going to say things uh, in error. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, uh, maybe read a verse wrong or leave out a verse or whatever. But still, if we make that mistake, then the Holy Spirit in you is going to say, that's not right. And, and, and no pastor, can't speak for everyone, but no pastor should have a problem with someone coming up and saying, hey, you just said A, but the Bible says B. How does that work? And if they do, run. If they hold to what they say and it contradicts the Bible and they want you to believe them over the Bible, run. Because Paul makes it clear, uh, we're going to read this verse from Galatians again as the band comes up. He says, I am surprised and astonished that you are so quickly turning renegade and deserting, literally like abandoning and deserting him who invited and called you by the grace, the unmerited favor of Christ the Messiah, and that you are transferring your allegiance to a different and opposition gospel. That's what we're doing. If, we're, if we stop believing the word of God and we start believing this, that's what we've done. But look at what he says. He says, not that there is or could be any other genuine gospel, 
There are obviously some who are troubling and disturbing and bewildering you with different kind of teaching which they offer as a gospel and want to pervert it and distort the gospel. Paul says in one place the reason why they distort and pervert the gospel, some do it for money, some do it for power. He even says some do it for women, which we're seeing across the board. But then I love how Paul puts this. He says, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you. So if, if an apostle does, an angel does, someone calling themselves an apostle today or a prophet today, uh, a YouTube influencer, uh, a video, uh, a TV evangelist, butcher, baker, or candlestick maker, preach a gospel contrary to or different from that which we preach. He says, let him be accursed. And that word accursed, it means anathema, devoted to destruction, doomed to eternal punishment. Doomed to eternal punishment means that they're going to hell. So in plain old English, Paul is saying if anyone preaches a gospel different than what's in the word of God, let them go to hell. And it may be harsh, but it's also true because they are leading people astray. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand and I want to pray again for the congregations and churches that are meeting this morning, because even though we may find this hard to believe, in congregations in our community, around our community, in communities around us, uh, neighboring states, neighboring counties, neighboring nations, all over the place, this morning, there are people gathered, and they are hearing a gospel that is in opposition to the word of God, and they're all saying amen. So God, we lift up all of these people to you, all of these congregations that are gathered. We pray that your word would prevail. We pray that your spirit would either guide those pastors to speak your truth or guide your people to leave those places where your truth is not being spoken. And God, we don't pray this because it's not about getting numbers of people into the building. It's about acknowledging your truth and people being able to enter into your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.